Hello and welcome to the Course in the Chaos podcast. This is the very first one. Uh, my name is Jack. I'm with Grayson and Blake, and uh, we've talked about doing this for a while. This is a, a podcast we've we've thought about, we've talked about, but never never got around to it. Especially Grayson and I for years at this point, but. We've decided to give it a go, and um, we're glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Uh, we've also brought in Blake, and uh, Blake is here. He's he's blogged with us a handful of times on the course and the chaos, and has uh, got some great insight. So, uh, thanks for listening uh, today. To kind of kick things off, as we've you know written a number of articles over the year, it seems the ones that te- that tend to do the most, uh, or tend to do the get the most traffic, rather I should say tend to be ones on subject matter related to the church and going to church. And we thought as, uh, as Blake suggested that maybe a good, a good way to kick off the, the podcast would be to do an episode dedicated to what is the church, right? So, um, that's what we're going to talk about today. Quickly, I just, if you've never heard of the course in the chaos, you have no idea who I am. Grayson is or Blake. Um, we have a blog on patheos.com called The Same Thing, of Course, in the Chaos. Uh, we've got a pretty active uh, Facebook presence, uh, Instagram, Twitter. We've been on there for a number of years. And, you know, if you were to, to go look at one of the About Me sections on any one of these sites, you'd see something uh, basically saying saying along the lines that we believe the, the gospel, we're here for the gospel, uh, to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, that we, you know, although we have different rap backgrounds, I'm a Presbyterian. These two guys are Baptist. You know, everything that we do, uh, even though it's often lighthearted at the end of the day, we want to encourage, educate and edify and promote the, and proclaim, I should say, the life, death and resurrection of, of our Lord Jesus. So ultimately that's what we're here to do. Uh, we're, we're open about that and, uh, have been for a long time. But anyway, back to things, uh, with that brief little introduction. Grayson, I guess, you know, we can kick things off here and just talk about the church. So I guess we could phrase it this way. Let's just say you, uh, I'm a guy from South Africa that you've never met before, right? But I'm very curious about the church. I don't know why I picked South Africa. It's totally random. Elon Musk. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's on my brain right now. So, but I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm a guy from South Africa who's never heard of the church. And all of a sudden, I meet this guy named Grayson. I say, Grayson, you're a Christian. What is that? Okay, you tell me about that. And then you you stress the importance of the church. And then my question to you is, well, what is the church? <laughs> well, I mean, if you frame it like that, I probably wouldn't do what I'm about to do, which is to get <laughs> a little bit more theological than some guy who is just coming in and, and trying to understand what the church is. Right. We'd really um, want to introduce some first to some memes about it and then... Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, when I think of it in this kind of a context, though, I I typically I like to dial things back a bit and take the broad view in which you're going to you're going to have two, I I guess, I don't want to say separate camps, but you're going to have the distinction between what we would call the universal or global church and then the local church. And the only reason I bring that up is simply because in our day and age, we have so many people that. Um, anytime you mention the church, they want to immediately leap on to the idea of the global church. Now, if I were to just simply define the global church, I mean, that's that's all Christians. I, Jack, I know you'd quibble with this a little bit because of your Presbyterian background or covenantal background, but uh, it would be all Christians of all time who believe in the one true saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the global church. I mean, that takes 
um, a span over time and space. Um, you could refer to that as people that are alive today, or again, all of those who have died and gone on to glory, even in, from the past. Um, the reason I bring that up, though, simply is, I mean, have you guys ever heard somebody who denies that reality, that there is such a thing as a global church? We're all connected in one faith, one baptism, one Lord uh, through Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard anybody deny that? No, not personally. In fact, I, I, I've seen people uh, almost abuse it the, the other way. If you talk to a, a Mormon, sometimes you'll hear Mormons say things like, well, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, too. And it's like it's the whole broad sense of just scooping everybody in from all time and every religious flavor uh, into one camp. But no, uh, anybody who's professing to be a Christian, I've personally never heard anybody buck against the idea of a universal concept of the church. Yeah, I've I'm I've had one secondhand experience, if you will, where one of my buddies said he had a friend who believed in only the local church but not the global church. Wow. And I'm like, that's just wacky. Yeah. But that's so his, when that's we're his talking about Bigfoot. The, yeah, right. I mean that's uh <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> Did you yeah. I, I'm I'm intrigued, so <laughs> I've never heard that before either. So he he thought there was no spiritual relationships between different congregations like they were all independent or was it more yeah, or was I, it more so that there's no christian found outside of the local church so i don't think that's what he was going for i don't think he was trying to draw that big of a distinction to say you know you you can't be a christian if you're not part of the local church right mm-hmm. i think he was earnestly contending that there's no such entity as the global church because there's only local churches exhibited in scripture now I wasn't there to actually talk with this guy. I just I heard about this viewpoint, and I I mean, I to this day can't make actual sense of it because it's just <laughs> I mean it's ludicrous. <laughs> um, when yeah, you I'm look sitting at, here trying to I'm sitting here trying to like piece it. Like yeah. how could someone like I'm trying to make sense of it and I can't. I'm just yeah, going to space but, off and uh, try to put that together. You guys go on and carry on with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean when you look at scripture, I mean it's it's completely against the testimony of scripture. Um, all over and again, when we're talking about the global church, a few scriptures that come to mind. So one of the ones I have here is Acts 8.3. So Saul is persecuting the church, but then notice how the text simply doesn't identify a particular local church. He speaks broadly of the church. And it says, but Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women, and he would put them in prison. And then again, we see the same thing picked up in Acts 9.31. And Luke does the same thing here. He narrows the focus a bit to speak of the regions of Judea and Galilee, but he's still speaking to this broader gathering or gathering of people, if you will, that we call the universal church. Uh, he says in Acts 9.31, So the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. Now we see this over and again all throughout the New Testament. I don't want to give a ton of different verses because I don't think many people really struggle with this aspect of the definition of the church. Um, I mean, even when you're talking about as basic as uh, the passage of, I think it's in Colossians or Ephesians, I can't recall right now, but he's talking about, for by one spirit we are baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or uh, slaves are free, and then he also says we were made to drink of one spirit, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's just this common sharing in the in Christ that we have simply on the basis of believing the genuine gospel that's been given to us 
uh, or as the apostles would call the faith handed down from Genesis to Revelation. But what we tend to get in more particular, I guess, muddy waters with would be that local church definition. This is where people start to get a bit ruffled feathers and start to get a bit um, enraged, if you will, if you tell them, hey, you need to be part of this entity called the local church as well. Uh, we're saved unto a body, and that doesn't mean just a spiritual body, but we're actually part of a you know, flesh and blood, time and space, actual gathering or assembly of Christians mm -hmm. in what we would call a church. Right. Right. But Grayson, isn't the church just a building? Uh, yes, the bricks and mortar is what Christ saved. Everybody <laughs> argues that. I actually, I get, I get really frustrated with that one because it's just, um, it's one of those popular tropes that I think people throw out regularly that, right. you know, it has a little bit of rhetorical flair to it to where you can say that and you get a bunch of likes on it, but it really means nothing. I mean, there's no substance to it. Right. I've yet to interact with a systematic theology or even just a guy on Facebook who says, yeah, I think that Christ saved a building. <laughs> so, so the, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say when we're we're getting into the idea of the local church, then I mean it it can't exist apart from the universal church. They're intimately wed, and so um, that's all I was going to say as we kind of transition to the idea of the local church. So, I mean, one of you guys want to pick up on that? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, what, yeah, like what Grayson said was that you find the local church in the context of the universal church. Uh, one thing that's really important to remember, and I think where a lot of people would kind of uh, quibble against this, is that the Lord specifically lays out things uh, for the church, the local church, they can only happen in the context of the local church. And so when he's talking about, uh, spiritual giftings, uh, when he's giving this picture of, of many, uh, members of one body, uh, is he's speaking in, you know, Hebrews about the gathering of the saints, uh, as he's even using terminology again in, in Hebrews, I, I think it's Hebrews 14 or Hebrews 13. Uh, of that there's specific shepherds over specific congregations uh, who have to give an account for the people that they're shepherding. I mean, that, that only, th those verses only make sense in the context of believers who are gathering locally, who are submitting uh, to one another, who are ministering to one another, uh, where you see, again, the different spiritual giftings uh, of people ministering to one another, uh, and so you have all that stuff kind of taking place in in the local uh, church itself that you can't get uh, just with an understanding of that you don't really need to be in a local church. And again, it's not optional in Scripture. It's not like the local church is for super Christians uh, or even that the local church is for really, really weak Christians. I've kind of heard both of those arguments, and I'm sure you guys have too. Uh, they come across people that are too spiritual for church, uh, or people that, uh, are, you know, too, you know, spiritually weak to be outside of a local church, I guess you could say. Yeah. I, uh, I've heard those ones. I've also heard this, the common one where it's, um, every single church is absolutely corrupt. And mm -hmm. so there's mm -hmm. no, you can't be in the, you know, basically the pit of hell, as they would say. Which, I mean, that's a sad, 
sad reality. Yeah, the church is just a the church is just a bunch of hypocrites, Grayson. And I, not being a hypocrite, would never want to hang out with hypocrites. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's reminds me of I think Spurgeon said it, or he uh, he said if you find that the church is full of hypocrites, um, basically, I I mean, this is a terrible paraphrase. But he said something along the lines of, like, you might as well add one more to the mix. Yeah, yeah. Or was it, I think, <laughs> I, I've heard something similar of if you find the perfect church, get out of there before you mess it up, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, I'll be the Presbyterian here. You know, if, I, if the confession, I think, gives a really good, the Westminster Confession gives a really good definition on, say, the universal and the visible. But for the visible church, it says, the visible church, which is also Catholic, little c., uh, or universal <laughs> under the gospel. Distinct, thank you for that distinction. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I'm trying to alleviate the comment section. Uh, Catholic? Yeah. Excuse um, me? Which, <laughs> so the visible church, which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel, not confined to one nation as before the law, consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children. We can, that's again, it's the Westminster Confession here. And is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and the family of God out of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. And we can skate over the children thing. We can deal with that in another podcast. But the, the point I wanted to make here with that is that I, that I love is kind of that last little bit. And I'll read it again. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and the family of God out of which there is no ordinary possible possibility of salvation. Mm-hmm. And I think. Like just the importance of the local community, right? The when you study when you study the New Testament, what you have is the the prominence of the local church. Like the local body is uh, held up, defined, and clearly demonstrated throughout all of the New Testament, right? You just see the the existence of the local body, and while I understand there are people wrong i think they're wrong who um think they can can be can live the christian life without without local community right they they think that at the end of the day they can't right, right. You, you cannot you it cannot would be, belong it would be the exception to the rule i mean you know it's uh i mean there may be i mean you imagine times of you know great persecution and uh you know, you're driven into the, you're driven into the woods and you have to live in a time, you know, by yourself or whatever because they're hunting Christian downs. I mean, there's been places, uh, where stuff like that has taken place. Uh, but the longing of those Christians would not be, well, I'm just going to remain out in the wilderness. The longing of those Christians would, yeah. I want to be, I want to be in fellowship with believers. And yeah. so some of that has to do. Yeah. Ooh, we lost Jack. Well, keep going. He might come back in. Okay. <laughs> he might just he might just pop back in. He might All right. Now that in. the Presbyterian is gone, we can say what we really want to say. It's a Baptist coup. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have to let him back in, or yeah? No, I think he's there. He is. Oh, he's back. Okay. Anyway, so as we were saying, the Presbyterian Church. No. Yeah. <laughs> keep going. I can edit this. I don't know what happened. It yeah. just dropped. You don't have to. You don't have to edit it. You can hear what we really Sorry, think I fell about off. it, Jack. <laughs> right? No, <laughs> no, no. But the no, but the the the, the thrust of it is, uh, it really has to do with the heart of the believer. I mean, the the heart of the believer is a desire to be in fellowship with the body, 
And so, you know, you know, you have cases of, you know, shut-ins that uh, are not able to make it to the local church. Um, I'm sure that you both have, you know, met those folks and you do as, you know, as much as you can to minister to them and things like that. But through various circumstances, they just, they can't make it to the local gathering or in those situations of persecution, uh, where it becomes increasingly more difficult to gather, uh, where you see in a lot of countries, persecuted countries, that folks will even put their lives on the line to gather and to worship and to hear God's word preached and all these things. And so you have to ask yourself, well, where's the disconnect um, in our uh, Western mentality? And I suppose it's not just a Western issue, but we live in a Western uh, context and a Western culture. So, of course, that's we're kind of filtering some of what we're saying uh, through. It seems to be an through those affluent things. culture type of deal. Mm-hmm. So, like, wherever you have an affluent culture is where this mentality seems to be very present. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, well, that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's, that's I a know, whole nother, I know. that's a whole nother podcast. Where, where do you, th- just curious though, where do you guys think that comes from? Do you think that's, you say Westernism and I agree it's predominant Westernism, but yeah. it's distinctly American. Like it's Western, but more I so think- American. Do, do you think that's, do you think mm, that's where it flows I think, out of? Is- I think, I think Grayson nailed it. With, I think it is, uh, really connected to affluence. I mean, of, if you if you look at like religious trends, for example, uh, before uh, the Great Depression, uh, so like the Roaring Twenties and things like that, when everything's really popping off and prospering, there is a steep decline in religious activity. As soon as the Great Depression hits, uh, and people lose those creature comforts, uh, and there's an air of um, and there's an air of uh, insecurity uh, surrounding. Uh, you see almost like a, you see almost like a little revival taking place before the, before the first great awakening. Uh, there is this, even in like the early, you know, the early settlements of the United States, you had this trend of a rise of deism where people started becoming nonspecific, uh, and kind of just having this general thought of God and things like that. And then, you know, the Great Awakening strikes and people kind of wake up out of that. And so, I don't know. I, I suppose that some of it has to do with uh, the way that the theological and historical pendulum swings. And you look at, I mean, man, you look at, you look at Israel's history. I mean, you see, and I'm not, I'm not the Baptist that's, you know, comparing Israel to the United States and things like that. Okay. <laughs> y'all heard of Y'all like them blood moons? Um, we, uh, we, um, we're, what we're looking at is just the, the movement of the movement of culture. People get lazy. Uh, they get distracted, uh, with, with stuff and prosperity. And naturally as those things, you know, as they're kind of given over to the things that they desire, uh, you know, their hunger for God tapers off. Um, yeah. You see this reflective in church attendance. You see it reflective in the spiritual disciplines. When things are difficult, you're praying more. You're reading your Bible more. You're thinking on spiritual things more. Uh, when It's when prosperity comes that oftentimes uh, you begin losing uh, some of the the focus in those areas, and so I would say, I would say that it is a a Western um, 
sometimes rebellious. Uh, in, I think before we've talked about this, Grayson was using the terms uh, of of this this rugged indiv- American yeah. individuals. Yes, yes, yeah. that's it. That's the yeah. That's the um. And how would you like? What facets would you say that plays into it, Grayson? Oh. I think that plays into it so much more than we even like to think it is. I mean, we're, we are literally a nation founded on rebellion. And I'm not even saying that was inherently wrong. Like, I think, Uh-oh, I think now all that was. Now you've done it. I know, that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> I think, I think it was good and right and how it happened. Um, just for the record. But I think out of that, though, our own mentality as Americans is so ingrained with this idea that, I mean, literally nobody can tell me what to do. That's just mm-hmm. how we think constantly. Mm-hmm. So now in our culture, it's so ingrained that even at a workplace, like there's no real idea of submission to any kind of an authority. So you have that rugged American individualism, but that's also paired with like post enlightenment yeah. ideas right. and uh, philosophy coming out of like um, liberal Germany from the late 1800s and so forth. Um, all those things kind of coupled together create this perfect storm within an American mind that doesn't trust any authority when it comes to um, government, media, institutions, so like your collegiate level, even institutions mm-hmm. like a church, mm-hmm. um, even within the family, in so many ways, you see this degraded today. Where, right. right. I mean, what do you see commonly within the family on TV, but that the dad is an idiot who's stuck in the blinds and he's like, he has no idea how to eat a hot pocket that he put in a toaster oven <laughs> and burn the house down. <laughs> it's like, I mean... We we have to portray him as the biggest idiot as possible yeah. to just degrade any sense of authority because, you know, happy life, happy wife, right? I mean, every bit of it is kind of this anti-authority kick that we've just ramped up on for years. And now we're, I think, reaping the full rewards of that. And in many ways, there's places that you don't trust and for good reason. Like, I think in our current climate, especially given everything with uh, the pandemic and that, like, you'd be utterly foolish to trust in the poli- uh, political games or within the media or within a lot of these people at the collegiate level, especially with wokeness being what it is and all these other aspects, too. Um, but it's seeped into the church, and that's where I think it it mm-hmm. can be good in one sense if you have somebody who's a bad authority or a false authority, one who's usurped that role of a pastor and abuses it, for sordid gain or for whatever else that he chooses to in rebellion to God. Um, but then you could also have it in a very negative way because you can look at a clear command out of, what is it, First or Second Peter, where he talks about submitting to your elders right. uh, for this is profitable for you. Mm-hmm. Um, in our American culture, that's a foreign concept. We have no clue on the whole of what that even looks like, and we want to fight against it tooth and nail as much as possible. Right. So, I mean, yeah. it's a sad thing, but again, it's, it's, a, it, it stems from this anti-authority mentality that says, even within the church, no one can tell me what to do. And right. It's like, well, how does that square with even what the Bible teaches? Right, right. And I don't even know, I don't even know if the average American, uh, approaches church even with the, even with the mindset of that this is an authoritative body, uh, that is, actually put into place by God. I think so many people uh, approach church really with a kind of a club mentality that, you know, this is, yeah. this is a, you know, this is a, uh, I'm viewing it through the lens of consumerism. And so 
therefore, I mean, I, I go to Walmart when I need something or when I want something, uh, or when I'm, you know, whatever. And so I go to church when I need something or I want something, uh, or if I don't have anything else going on. Yeah. I think you hit the, I think you nailed it. The, the idea of consumerism, I think that's, that's the mentality that is plaguing or has plagued our church in mm-hmm. America for, for so long because, mm-hmm. One, generally speaking, we are an affluent nation, right? So you have that aspect where people aren't, there are people who are suffering, right? But when you think of physical suffering here versus, say, a third world country, it's certainly less because we're more affluent. So when, when you lack just general suffering across, you know, as, as in kind of a conglomerate kind of macro sense, people don't feel a need to go to church and, mm-hmm. They go, when they do go to church, it's because maybe they have social needs. Maybe they need, right. um, I don't know what to do with my kids. They're yeah. bad influences. Get the kids me, into yeah, yeah. Let's get the kids right. connected to youth group, right? Yeah, yeah. So they, they find reasons to get, to right. get kids in church right. or whatever it is. And those it's, aren't it's, all, and I think we would all agree too that those aren't, those are all like ancillary benefits of the church. Like those aren't, absolutely. like the social aspect is like, well, yeah, you should have a healthy social aspect in the church. Uh, you, your, your kids should be connected in the church, but maybe not in the way that, you know, some people would think that, you know, they are. Uh, but those are all, I mean, there, we are talking about, you know, community, uh, kind of life and things like that. Uh, but approaching it with that this is an arm of God's authority in my life versus this is a place for me to socialize. That's two totally different uh, routes of understanding. And part of the problem is, is that our American Christian church culture has, I don't know if you could say largely, but has in some ways abandoned what the church is supposed to be mm-hmm. and has chased consumerism because of pragmatism. We can have yeah. bigger churches, bigger buildings, more money, more media spread, more likes, shares, follows. Yeah. And that's the measure of success, things. right? Yes. In, in a consumeristic yeah. society, that's the measure of success, right? Right. right. Like, yeah. 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 You know, when, when practically every week when we go to church, I have a pep talk with my kids because I got five kids and they vary from ranges from two to 12. And I get just, you know, they can be all over the place sometimes. So it's just like, hey, pop quiz. You know, we have about 10 minute drive to church. Why are we going to church? And I do this almost every week because I try and just get them to think about what they're doing. And at this point, they hear it so much. They're like, well, we go to worship God. Like, they just kind of, come on, Dad. You know, they just they just give me the line. Does Dad but- seriously forget this every week? <laughs> <laughs> should he, probably be, should he be driving I'm right really now? I'm really worried about him. <laughs> I'm worried about Dad. <laughs> what are we doing? Why are we going to- uh, you, yeah, that sounds like a, what a Simpsons episode, like where the, the bumbling dad thing. So yeah. and anyway, um, but I do that because I'm trying to get them to remember that we, we go to church fundamentally to worship God. Yeah. Right. We, and there's things that we do at church, which, you know, maybe we can talk about in the next, the next podcast. Like, what does the church do? But we fundamentally, we go to church because, we we are the people of God. We are indwelt with the Spirit of God, and we we meet together in community as commanded to worship the Holy God of the universe. Right, and there's right. significance to that. Yeah, like, there, that is just significant. And what a joy 
what a privilege that we can do that. And I, and I say much of the same thing to my kids to try and get them to realize that when we go in there and there's, it's stand and sit, read this, sing this, stand, sit, stand, you know, they get, they get kind of, oh, come on, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? We're doing it because it's important. Right. Raise your hands, We're speak doing- in tongues. Yeah. The whole, the whole bit. <laughs> right. No. The snake when I hand you, <laughs> yeah. When I hand you the snake, act <laughs> serious. It's not funny. We're doing this Do for not reason. play with the snake. We are not serious, by the way, people. <laughs> Just a quick disclaimer. Do not do that. <laughs> we have not. I, we have not used any snakes this year in church. So. Right. If your church is passing around snakes, unless it's like some kind of, I don't know, southern themed potluck or something, get yeah. out of there. Get out of there. We didn't do it any other year, but I just said this yeah, year for yeah. you. But you, I mean, Jack, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we, as a church body, we're doxological, right? We're centered around the very glory of God himself. And so that, that should characterize literally every single thing that we do as the church, especially as the local church. So that's not just something that is, you know, for your private Christian life. It is every Lord's Day when we gather with the saints, that is our ultimate purpose in gathering, is to glorify our God and Maker and to glorify our Savior. So how we do that, I mean, that might look a little different from a Baptist perspective as opposed to a Presbyterian perspective in in some of the aspects of the service in that. The reality is that's our ultimate purpose. And I mean, I think the Westminster Catechism sums that up greatly when it talks about the ultimate end or the chief end of man, right? Yeah. It is to glorify, glorify God, God. Enjoy him and forevermore. Yeah. Absolutely. And everyone John Piper can say is happy hearty. somewhere. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> somewhere John Piper's <laughs> smiling. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned, and one of the things we had laid out or Grayson had laid out, uh, for us, it was those points uh, from Greg Allison's book on ecclesiology. So you talked about the doc, the doxological aspects, uh, Grayson. But did you want to hit the rest of those? Sure. Yeah, I'll just I'll fire them off pretty quickly here. So one of the other ones would be that we are logocentric, and all that means is that we're centered around the Word of God. I mean, that one should be a pretty basic one for churches. Uh, if you're not gathering and preaching the Word, and everything's informed by the Word. Um, Frankly, why are you meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is unfortunately another one that people in our day and age want to downplay as much as possible because they deny things like the authority of Scripture or the inerrancy or the clarity of Scripture. Um, but if you're not preaching from the power of the Word, frankly, I think you have an impotent church. Mm. And that might be a little stark for some people, but that's the reality of how Scripture portrays it. That'll preach. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the other one would be that we are pneumodynamic, which means we are, it's a fancy word for we are empowered by the spirit. And so in every aspect of it, um, we're, we're literally empowered by the very spirit of God and that we can be fit for service for the kingdom and be able to meet together, um, in that same spirit. We share the common spirit of grace, um, Mm -hmm. and he empowers us for service to one another, but also, um, even the preaching and teaching of the word. Uh, the congregational singing of the songs, everything that we go from beginning to end, especially even as a word is present, the spirit is very much so at work within a congregation. And then we have covenantal, um, and Jack's beaming here, but by covenantal, <laughs> sorry, I had to throw in a bad right. joke. Um, Man, he is smiling ear to ear right now. <laughs> He's like, yes, it's happening. <laughs> My time has come. <laughs> this is what I've been preparing but, for. 
<laughs> so by covenantal, um, all I mean by that and what Allison meant in his ecclesiology book is that we're, we're joined together in a covenant to one another and in service to God. And so we're affirming the same, you know, doctrinal statements. We've made a covenant to one another and that we're going to hold fast to the faith until the end and that we're going to hold each other accountable for that. So uh, one of the things I think of is regularly we bring people into membership and we actually have them stand up before the entire congregation of members and we'll have them repeat certain phrases and then they'll turn and face the congregation. Uh, much of it's just simply you know, affirming basic biblical principles like you are going to train your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord so long as God gives you children and time to do so. You will bless the church with your financial gifts and your service and this and that. Um, so every one of them there's peppered with scripture verses to pull out and say, here's our basis for it. But then the congregation will affirm that they are also going to hold that person accountable. Right. Uh, but then that person's also going to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And so that's where things like church discipline comes in. Um, and that's a very powerful thing, I think, for a church. But then you have confessional. And again, this this is just simply tying in the idea that we are joined by a common confession of faith, uh, not only in Jesus Christ, obviously, as the gospel proper, um, but that we are joined together in what the scriptures would call the faith, that is that body of doctrine from Genesis to Revelation that was handed down once and for all to the saints, as Jude puts it. Right. Uh, we are missional, simply evangelistic. This is very straightforward. We're not going to get into that great detail there, but just uh, we're churches about the Great Commission. Um, we are located in time and space, and this is another one that I think should be a simple one for most people. But sadly, um, right. many people want to quibble with it. But all that means is that if you are part of the church, um, you are going to meet with a body at some designated time in some designated space in order to function properly as the church. And so that oft but wrongly quoted where two or more are gathered um, does not apply in what makes a church proper. I mean, when we're talking about mm -hmm. that, that's church discipline, which we'll touch on probably in a little bit here. Um, but the very idea of us gathering together as a full body is that we have people fit for various um, aspects of service. So like you have pastors, you have those who are gifted in various other ways. Right. But together we meet in order to be able to give glory to God. Right. Then we are eschatological, which just simply means we're awaiting that day when Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. And then he will redo, redeem all things. He will subdue his enemies, and then he will defeat all of our greatest enemies, the three greatest enemies we know as sin, Satan, and death. Right. Perfect. Uh, one of the things we're going to be talking about in the next podcast uh, is what is actually done at the local church. Uh, and so what Grayson just went over was kind of some of the, I guess you could say, the airmarks of a local church. And then uh, podcast number two will be what's done at the local church. And so that's things like preaching and teaching of the word, uh, the Lord's Supper, baptism, public reading of scripture, prayer, uh, you know, singing praises, giving, all of those uh, different kinds of things. Um, one of the powerful statements about the, the gathering of the local body, again, that you cannot get out on the lake with your trout pole, uh, or trying to hyper spiritualize, you know, like, oh, I just meet with God in the woods and it's just me, you know, you're singing, you know, just walking around all Sunday singing, you know, I come to the garden alone, you know, what's the name of that song? The Andy song. 
Andy walks with me and he talks with me. I have no idea. <laughs> that, maybe that's just I'm really, really revealing my Baptistness right now because it's like an I old, know the song. Yeah, I right. I'm trying to remember. I know the song. I don't care. In the garden. That's it. In the garden. That's uh, not not a great song. Uh, but anyway, uh, there is <laughs> all sorts of disclaimers coming through on this one today. Yeah, yeah. If my grandma hears this, she's going to be furious. Singing in the garden with a snake. Yeah. I think anyone who's 16 and older just shut off the podcast. <laughs> right, right. Like, we're done with this. <laughs> what? What is this? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, uh, but the, uh, the, all the, the one another's, the relational aspects. Um, Jack, did you want to unfold those a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're, you've kind of unveiled it right, but scripture is very clear. Like there's, there's certain things you can only do. When you meet with other believers, like you say, you can't do this in the woods alone. You know, you can be quote unquote, Oh, you know, I'm spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've heard people say, say nonsense like that. Like I'm sure you are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're very spiritual. Cause the devil's a spirit. Yeah. <laughs> what, but, what? <laughs> but to, but to belong, but to be committed and belong to, to a local body. And I think Grayson, you did some, you, I'll give you the credit here. You put this list together and it's just a great list, but. You know, if you, if you run through some scriptures of examples in the New Testament of things that can physically only happen when you belong to a local community of believers. So bearing one another's burdens, encouraging one another, building up or building, building up one another uh, in the most holy faith, pushing one another to a perseverance to an end, pouring out compassion on one another, forgiving one another, loving one another, being devoted to one another, bearing with one another, like these one another's. You can't do that by your own, on, on your own with your Arizona tea and your Skittles, you know, in, in the middle of nowhere, right? Or sitting at home watching a Joel Osteen sermon, you know, at, at one o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Hmm. Here's the real question. Is it Osteen or Olstein? I always say Osteen. I oh, thought I, it was it? Olstein for a long time. Yeah. But the spelling is O-S-T-E-N. Oh, is there no L? Wow. There's no There's L. No L. There's wow. no L. Wow. And we just... uh Dropped a Christmas song there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Take the wow. sh- take the show on the road. <laughs> so you can't do all those one another's, but you can have your best life now. Wow. That's another another bad joke. When every day's a yeah. Friday. Every day's a Friday. Hey Blake, I looked this up when you made a comment earlier. Yeah. And I'm just gonna go ahead and put it in there because I put in the effort. <laughs> Because I know you're wondering, the next blood moon is Sunday, May 15th. Put on your calendars, folks. <laughs> Coming right up. <laughs> Coming right ra- John Haggy intensifies. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, th- but I think that's it, right? I mean, the, you, you just, I, I don't know. You can, you can, it is possible for someone to be a Christian outside of a local community. Like it is possible. But, but it's that is not, not the ordinary. Right. It's, it's not, not the ordinary the it's and it's done. not ideal. Yeah. It's not healthy. And it's not something that should be desired. Uh, again, no, the, cri- the Christian heart. I mean, if you, if you hate being around Christians, spoiler alert, you are really going to hate heaven. Yeah. So much. Uh, well, let, let me ask you this. Yeah. What, what are, because, you know, we, we've stressed this point and, uh, I would hope anyone listening to this would, would understand that, the, the significance and the substance and the importance of the local church. Like it is incredibly important, mm-hmm. but there are, there are reasons why people choose. They may know these things, but maybe they've been hurt by church, right? right. Maybe they've, 
Maybe they've been in, or may, you know, this actually happened just a week ago. Someone sent a message to the Facebook page basically saying something like, I don't remember verbatim, but there's no gospel churches within two hours of me. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. Right. Commute. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I asked a bunch of questions like, well, you should consider moving, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, or starting a church. Yep. Really? Or gathering Start other believers something. to bring in a preacher to plan a church. I mean, but the, those things are hard, but it's, you know, but it's such a necessary part of life that yes. if you're not planting a church or if you are not, you know, funding to get a church going or if you're not moving to be in a church, I mean, it is, it is truly, it is truly that important. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm reminded, I'll give the, the youth pastor, I think I've heard a youth pastor give this illustration like five or six times. So, um, I did not come up with it and you've probably all heard it, but I actually think it's a pretty good <laughs> illustration. Um, so if you think, you know, you've got a, you, you made a fire, right? You've got all these coals in the fire and they're all glowing hot. Oh yeah. If you pick one up with some tongs and you set it in the grass, right? Yeah. What happens to it? It, it, it you know, it cools off. You pick it back up and you put it back in the fire and it warms back up. And right. it's a simplistic kind of silly illustration, but, but it's, it's true, right? Like you, we thrive in the community of believers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And we're made for community too. Like we're made to be relational. It's like in the substance of our being, uh, to, to be, to be relational. So one of the, I mean, the thing that you said, and, uh, this is something that, uh, as a pastor, uh, we, you know, I, I deal with often and I have these conversations, uh, pretty regularly is that, there's really, as I see it, there's only three options. And so like, if you would say, yes, I'm a Christian, but I do not go, I do not attend a local church. And more specifically, I'm not a member of a local church. And we can get, maybe later get into the difference of, you know, membership and attending and things like that. But it, there's only really one of three reasons that, that you're not attending. Sometimes you talk to people that say, I'm a Christian, uh, but I've really, really been hurt by the church. Um, what might surprise you is that we would say we understand that, that there are people who have legitimate hurts from churches, uh, or at least from people who profess to be Christians that are, you know, harming, that are harming others. Uh, you know, this is, this is things like, you know, growing up in a, in a church that is extremely legalistic. Um, now as a side note, just because somebody has a higher standard than you do does not mean that they're by necessity legalistic. Maybe you just need to, uh, shore up your sanctification a little bit. Uh, but maybe you grew up in a really, really, uh, legalistic church, uh, who did a lot of uh, harm that way. Uh, you know, it could be, I mean, you, you hear of, these disastrous situations. I mean, I met a woman, uh, who grew up as a, a daughter of a preacher, uh, and her dad ran away with his secretary from the church. Uh, and her whole thing from that as a teenager was the church, uh, body did not know how to handle such a disastrous kind of thing. Uh, they pulled away from, uh, this this woman and her mother not really knowing how to handle it, and so their natural reaction was to just draw back from it. Uh, and so 
overnight, uh, you know, she, she told me that overnight I lost my dad. I lost my pastor. I lost my church. I lost, uh, the purpose and, you know, surrounding of our life and the activities that are, that our life involved. I mean, everything, uh, you know, gone all in, all in one swoop. So yes, there are people who have legitimately been hurt. Um, we would just like to say, I would like to say, I think these guys would say too, that praise God that you have a great high priest who understands your pain. Uh, that you have a great high priest who has been betrayed and who has been lied about and hurt and abused and all of those things. Uh, Christ can sympathize with what you are feeling. Even Christ feeling those things and experiencing abandonment, experiencing hurt, experiencing all of these things, both spiritual and physical, Christ does not abandon the church. Uh, he does not abandon the ones uh, that even, <laughs> even the ones uh, that hurt him. So take a, take a cue from uh, your Savior whom you, you profess to know and get back into a local community. Uh, get back into uh, fellowship with believers. Is it, are things going to be perfect? Are they always going to be, you know, just sunshine lollipops? No, because you've got a bunch of sinners all in a room together. Uh, all of us trying to, you know, uh, be sanctified and conformed into the image of Christ. Uh, and so I would encourage you, find a local church. I mean, start it. If, if that's you and you've been, and you're the one that's been hurt, uh, I would encourage you this Sunday, start visiting churches. Uh, push past the hurt, know that Christ can identify with the hurt and be obedient and see if he'll, and see if he will do something, uh, with that, you know, that step of, of faith, you know, trusting him, uh, that his plan is wise, uh, for you. It's another thing too, I think of within the midst of that. I mean, we are, we're in a culture that again is, um, I have to be very, very careful here. So please take these words with the, the utmost amount of um, gentleness that I, I'm hoping to convey with it. I'm already uh, offended, Grayson. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I want to say is you, we're, you are not your trauma. And and what right. I mean by that is right. not to be yep. a jerk or callous. It's just yeah, 100%. There, there's so much more to the Christian life than, than the wounds. And those wounds are there. They're real. Um, we have entire books of the Bible that are dealing with lament. Um, so I'm not saying shy away from all that, but there, there's more than just trauma that's to be had in the Christian life. And there's so much joy and, um, bliss that's had among a genuine community of fellowship. Right. And I can, I can tell you as a man who in some ways has just, there are times I think we all go through life where the bottom drops out and life gets hard. And especially as you're going through tragedy or different trials or even temptations, um, mm -hmm. there've been times where the body has come around me in ways that I don't think I would have endured through had it not been yeah. for them. Amen. Amen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So, I mean, well so you may just be hurt. You may be hurt. And I hope you, you take those, those words and, and take them to heart. It could also be that you are just. A rebel and you just want to do your own thing 
and you want to be your own little captain of your own little salvation. Stop it. Stop it right now. Uh, <laughs> what you need to do, uh, is, I mean, and we, and we, I don't, I mean, I don't think we even need to expound on that too much because we've already kind of talked about it, that we are meant for community, that God has commanded us to be in community. You have not outgrown the church. You are not so super spiritual that you don't need to be part of the local body. Uh, you are not so spiritual that you cannot benefit from the local body. Uh, and so ask yourself this. Why, why are you rebelling against what Christ has clearly commanded you to do? And I say clearly because it has been the orthodox understanding, uh, since the early days of Christianity, uh, that believers meet together. <laughs> we see it in Acts. And this is not something, this is something that Constantine invented. Okay. Uh, this is something that we, uh, you know, we see throughout history and uh, has been understood as the orthodox position throughout history. And so stop rebelling. You know. Yeah. The, the analogy, I, or I shouldn't say analogy, the, the point I always make is simply like, okay. So you want to obey scripture, right? I mean, because that's most of the time people are saying, yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Let's so roll you play. have an issue yes. with the local church. I, I do yes. want to be obedient. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So so remind me, who were those letters written to? Uh, I have to go. Well, churches. <laughs> yeah, right, yes. right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so go to one. I mean, right. even Paul picks up on this idea. So if you're tired of people, I mean, Galatians 6, 2, he talks about bearing with one another. Uh, the Greek, the way that's literally expressed is that you're, the way we would kind of paraphrase that today in our modern speech is put up with each other, right? right. You're, you're a bunch of miserable wretches. Right. And I you're thought, sin I thought bearing with one another was releasing she bears on people you didn't like. <laughs> kind of that Elijah <laughs> ministry. Was that, was I off on that? Go up, you bald head. <laughs> bear. So I'm going to bear with you. <laughs> bear with one another anyway and then elijah laughed all the way to the city no. <laughs> yeah but i think i think the theme of what we're saying here if you sum it up in a in a few words is go to church yeah like be in church commit yourself sacrifice right, right. but the last time though we ugly. can't we can't miss the last bit though jack because maybe you're hurt maybe you're just rebellious yeah or maybe you're just flat lazy like it's so <laughs> easy. It is so easy to fall out of pattern, uh, and even I would say even like pastorally, if I just like have like some transparency, and you guys probably experience this too. It, in the realm of spiritual disciplines, how easy is it? So spiritual disciplines, things like uh, you know reading your Bible, uh, praying, fasting, giving, serving, uh, attending church, uh, the intake of the Word, both by reading and hearing, those sorts of things. It is so easy to fall out of pattern. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to have, I mean, just a few, uh, busy, you know, time periods in your life. It's amazing what it can do to kind of knock you off center. And so, I mean, this was the pattern for us growing up. We didn't grow up in a, uh, a Christian home. Uh, but I do remember like these little spurts of like every now and then we'd attend church or, uh, our parents would send us to like a VBS in the summer or something like that. Uh, but then, you know, stuff would come up. Life would get busy. Uh, and then we would just like fall out of pattern. Uh, so maybe, maybe it's, I get it. Um, I have, you know, three little ones. Jack's got 
five kids, as he mentioned earlier. Jack, is it always easy? Is is it truly easy like Sunday morning, Jack? It's chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Part meme. Of the I love reason- that meme. Whoever wrote that song never tried to get kids ready for church. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I mentioned earlier we have this pep talk, and yeah. part of the reason we have this pep talk is because it's been complete chaos for the past right. <laughs> a right. couple hours or right, hour. Right, right. <laughs> so, so your catechism so just involves shoes. <laughs> <laughs> So the whole the whole thing is like we like we recognize humanly speaking like we're not trying to get on here and say like we've got it completely figured out but we know like we know what we're supposed to do and listener you probably know what you're supposed to do and maybe you've just got into a pattern of of laziness uh where it's easier to be disobedient than it is to be obedient. So maybe you're a spiritual sluggard and you need to be shaken up out of that. Uh, maybe this needs to be the Sunday that you, you know, you know, take take control of your house, stir your family up, stir your spouse up. Say we are going to church. Uh, we are going to go and we're going to worship. It may not be easy, and it may be difficult to get those patterns reestablished, but it will be so 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 worth it uh, yeah. if you if you if you do it. Um, I, I say that with full confidence. Yeah, I say that as a guy who who struggled going to church for a while. I, I mean, there's still times where I wake up and I'm just tired, or I'm in a sour mood. Um, pastors don't, don't get in, have, pastors don't get in sour moods, Grayson. Yes, never. Quiet. Um, I don't know if you've found this though, where you're like, I just I don't want to go and uh, do this study or go to mm. even. I mean, there's been times I've woken up and been like, I don't, I don't even want to preach today, and I love preaching. Um, but then I go and do it and the Lord blesses that activity, no matter what it might be, whether it's going to the study or meeting with some person who is a joy to meet with, right. but I'm just being a glower. Um, and then I leave glower. and I'm feeling just <laughs> what a great refreshed word. after that. <laughs> You're very gruntled afterwards. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm less glowered and more gruntled. <laughs> Perfect. So anyway, yeah, yeah, the, the summary, the sum total of the, the podcast, you want the spark notes. Go to church. You're commanded to go to church. It's good for you. It's good for the body, as in the body of Christ. Um, you're important. Like if you're a Christian, you have a you have a job in the local body. Like you have a purpose for being in the local body. Um, you know, there's no uh, what do they call that? What are those uh, body organs that are useless? Appendix? Yeah, no, no, no. There's a word for it, though. Oh, vestigial organs. Yes, yes. There are no vestigial organs on the body of Christ. I'm making that into a t-shirt. There's a quote by Calvin. I had it in my notes, but uh, I'd forgotten I had it. You said that. It reminded me. But Scripture urges and warns us that whatever favors we may have obtained from the Lord— we receive them as a trust on condition that they should be applied to the common benefit of the church. Right. And actually, yep. Calvin was quoting Jack Lee when he said that. <laughs> so. Excellent. <laughs> and with yeah. that. No, I, and with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, whatever you're good at, do it to the church. Enjoy it and go to church. Yeah. Uh, Grayson, anything, anything else in closing? No, I mean, I would, I would just strongly encourage people to do it. I, ultimately, I mean, there's nothing wrong with 
with coming with just simply a, a heart of submission to the word and a desire to obey. And what I always tell people, I mean, literally always when it comes to any kind of counseling issue or just things that they're looking forward to or looking to put away, um, step forward in obedience and the emotions and the feelings and everything else will follow. Later. Yeah. Right. Um, God blesses obedience. There's never been a point where I've seen him curse somebody who's being obedient. Mm -hmm. um, they might have trials and hardships and sufferings, but nonetheless, they're going to find that God is um, uniquely kind to them, especially as they're trying to step out in faith and repentance. Right. And part of that, and yeah, and part of it is the grace to get through those trials and tribulations as well. Uh, you know, church attendance is, is kind of like, uh, it's like that daily vitamin. Uh, you know, you, when you take it, you, you don't even realize the full effect of just what those little intakes, those little acts of obedience, uh, the little times that you gather and worship and all those things. You don't realize the, the good that it is doing for you, uh, on, in the long run. Flintstone tablet theology. No, the Flintstone vitamins. Flintstone vitamins. Wait, Man, okay. I messed up my own oh, joke. Oh. I, uh, I literally did not get that reference. <laughs> I was tablets. I was thinking little Jack tabs, drops but the they're joke. not. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I'm like, is this a reference? Actually, to yeah, John Calvin actually said that. <laughs> take your take your spiritual Flintstone vitamin, John Calvin. Man. My joke totally bombed there. I was like all excited to say it. <laughs> That's okay. I, I, I dropped at least two that were not bangers. <laughs> And that's been episode All right. one. And that is episode one. Yeah. So let's we'll end it on that. So thanks for, thanks for listening. Uh, again, this is the course in the chaos. Uh, again with Jack, Blake and Grayson. And uh, until next time. Thanks. <laughs>